Jason Tatum. Woo! My money talk. Talk. Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum. I'm balling on you boys. I think I'm Jason Tatum. Switch. Watch me come through in that clutch. Clutch. Jason Tatum. Woo! My swagger on another level. Flat. Robert jeans with the wings and a gold bezel. Beam. I'm Tatum with the wrist. I need a gold medal. Whip. I press the button on you boy. My shooter's gon' get you. Welcome inside the Celtics Life Podcast. I'm Mark Allison here with Justin Quinn. And last night, the Celtics made their selections. They didn't make any trades. And uh, we're just going to real quick go through some some quick reactions, uh, how we feel about picks that were made and the things that transpired last night. Um, what's going on, Justin? Nothing much. I mean, we got a lot of talk about it in terms of what didn't go on, too. But we're yeah. trying to keep it really, you know, superficial for now. Just give you give you our reactions as yeah. The initial thoughts. Them. We'll we'll dive real deep into this this weekend for sure. So number three pick, not much of a surprise. The Celtics ended up taking Tatum. I mean, there was a little bit of mystery there, but um, what what do you think? Personally, I'm really happy that the news that we heard about um, Josh Jackson not working out with Danny Ainge, even though Danny was trying to fly out to see him. Yeah, canceling the canceling a workout while while they were on the plane, I guess. Right? Isn't that what that's the story that I saw? Or when they low arrived? Low character move. Low character move. And that guy screams low character to me. But, but I mean, you know what though? That that's got to be that's got to be the agent though, right? I mean, that's it can't be. You know, this isn't a a kid making these decisions, right? I mean, you, you, that has to be you coming from, I, I would assume, I, anyways. But your, so. your agent's got to be a pretty crappy agent if he's telling Yeah, you but, but I mean, because all the pick. comments that Jackson made personally about the Celtics, he'd love to play for the Celtics, he said that it didn't work out logistically, whatever it was, you, you'd have to think that all that, that nonsense was coming from his representation. I, that's, that's just my thought. Yeah, I don't know who his representation is. I'm going to look into it now just to see if I can find out something about that. But it was wildly unprofessional to get one of the the top GMs in the country flying across country to see you and then just dip out. Yeah, and I mean, and he was a you know a well sought after kid. So many teams were in on him because obviously he's a freak talent. And uh, I don't know, that's just kind of lame. Super weird. But yeah. that said, hey. I am very excited about Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. The only other player I would have been happy with taking number three without being super worried is Dennis Smith Jr. Maybe I could have talked myself into Isaac, but really, this is the guy that I wanted. How about you? Yeah, I mean, if they were going to take either of those two guys, I wouldn't want them to select them at three. I would have wanted them to move down a little bit, you know, and I, I, Isaac, too, intrigued me, but I love Tatum. I was huge on faults, right? And because he's such, he was so polished offensively, you thought he could really make an impact, you know, next season. And I, I think Tatum represents, obviously plays a different position, but he's very polished offensively, almost as much as faults, if not as much as faults. And the upside is just, um, it's got a very rounded game too. Right. Uh-huh. And like Stevens was saying, he can defend like four positions and uh-huh. he might not be an all world defender just yet, but. That's still, I mean... He's probably the best defender in the lottery. We need more defense. Our defense took a step back last season. It's probably going to take another step, big step back, if someone like Bradley or Jay Crowder ends up being dealt. And we'll get to that in in a little bit, but... That's not exactly a remote possibility based on some of the chatter we're hearing. You know, Kevin Pelton did a review of his game, and I'm just going to paraphrase here, but, like, basically... He's a very unusual player in that while he doesn't have any elite skills, he's in, he's below the 25th percentile, if I'm remembering correctly, on just about every elite skill 
that you can find, which doesn't sound so great, but the, the counterpoint to that is he's also, you know, he's not in the bottom 25th percentile for just about any skill. Mm-hmm. So even though he's, he's not elite at anything, he's good at everything. Right. Yeah. I mean, he, he can shoot from the outside. He's very good slasher with the basketball, without the basketball. Um, I was watching a, a lot of Draft Express stuff. Now, of course, you watch those videos, and you could, they can make any guy look like a you know you should be the number Water, one. Yeah. But they also have the the weakness videos that can bring you back to earth. But the he's looks very very impressive, and I and I'm familiar enough with Tatum. I saw enough Duke games this year to you know have an idea of his game. So when I moved on from Fultz after we made the deal. I was already familiar with Tatum at least, so but it, it's pretty easy to get excited about him. Yeah, and he's not that bad at rebounding either. He's he's logged he logged seven like point seven and a half, right? Yeah, yeah. so that, that's pretty solid. Decent passing game, working on an outside shot. It's there. It's not quite there, you know. The right. But just a shade under thirty five percent. That's that's not bad. And and considering um, uh, I heard comments from him saying that he didn't really start working on shooting from the outside until he got to Duke. Yep. So, uh, you know, because as you imagine, this kid in high school was probably a complete freak and could get to the basket in any spot, you know, which they which they're saying now, too, is like the, the he of all the guys in this draft. And that includes Fultz. This guy has the ability to get his shot off at any time, you know. And so it's uh, the Celtics needed a guy like that. Absolutely. And I also like his character. He, one of the first things that he had to do or was on record wanting to do was to start a foundation that will help single mothers. I, I heard and, this yesterday. Yep. Yeah. Cause his mom, know, his mom was a single mom. Exactly. Right. And as, as a parent of a single mother, I, I understand where he's coming from mm-hmm. and what he went, went through. So to hear that that is something that remains with him and to see the way that he reacted when he was drafted and to see, you know, some of his old opinions resurface on Twitter, like it always does when you get drafted, mm-hmm. listening potential draftees, good advice, strip down your Twitter. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe just, maybe just stick to Snapchat or something. Yeah. Something. I don't know, <laughs> but. You know, there there are some embarrassing things that were popping up on some other draftees' uh, Twitter timelines from from the days of yore. And you know, Jason Tatum, people brought up the fact that he thought Rondo was the best point guard in the league in 2012. Which, as far as I'm concerned, is a great thing to see from a Celtics draftee. <laughs> yes, I would be a little worried if he felt that way now, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, no. By by all by all all indications, he seems like a class act. What do you think about number 37, Semi? Oh boy, here we go. Ojale? Isn't it Ojale? Ojale? Well, okay. That's what I've always said, and then that does not mean it's correct. So I think you're right, though. I, I think you're right. I haven't seen any of the phonetic spellings yet. I and... think that's how a lot of the broadcasters pronounced it, too. So I saw a few SMU games with, with him, so I'm pretty sure. Whether that's right or not, I don't know. Yeah, I saw a couple games when they played UConn. I'll be honest, my mind is a sieve if I'm not focusing on somebody specifically. And, and recently, it's, <laughs> it's been Draft Express videos. So what do we know about him other than the fact that he was also originally a Duke draftee? Not draftee. Yeah, Duke, so what, So now, right. Now, I, I, I saw this, but I don't know the whole story behind this. Do you? What? What is this? The, the, was he there for freshman year? Uh, I believe he was there for his freshman year, and then he transferred. Play? I don't remember why he transferred. I think it was playing time related. It wasn't like some kind of uh, – Yeah, yeah. But what was the guy who was involved in some kind of 
you know, accusations of sexual assault or some horrible thing like that who transferred from Duke. I can't remember that guy's name. Solomon something or other. Okay. Yeah. But this was maybe a season or two after that, <sighs> if my memory serves. And, you know, with me being a UConn fan, I'm intimately aware with every time we get any decent recruits into the American Athletic Conference, it's trying real hard. Getting which of the state to join was great, but there's, there's a real dearth of talent in that league as a whole. So it was pretty exciting for him to come over and, you know, boost the profile of the programs that my team, the UConn Huskies, you know, because I own them or whatever. <laughs> um, well, to just just make the situation better. So I remember I remember him transferring. I don't think there was anything behind it other than the perception that the incoming draft class was going to inhibit his playing time with Duke. So and I don't I don't remember him getting any flack from Coach K for doing that. And Larry Brown was very excited to have him. And my God, we have a guy coming in with two of the greatest coaches in the history of college basketball. And basketball, really, with Larry Brown. Mm-hmm. That's that's going to be valuable coming into somebody, you know, with 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 such a heavy coaching imprint under Brad Stevens. He is a a, a prototypical three and D wing kind of guy. He's kind of like if you if you took Marcus Smart and Jay Crowder and made them into one guy, right? You, the more physical Jay Crowder, like he's, but, he's right, but with a shot. Yes, at forty two percent from three. So yeah. Uh, that's and that's awesome. And he was ranked as high as some people had him as high as twenty on their boards. And and he went. We got him at what thirty seven. Yep. I mean, we got him ahead of everybody's board. I don't know why he slipped. Yeah. I think a lot of the draft day trades uh, that and you know the guys fight. had guys targeted, didn't expect him to be there perhaps, and were already like locked in on the guy that they were looking for. Maybe you know, so they were trading up and trading down for specific spots. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of moves. There was a lot of movement at the end of the first round, so. Yeah, and well, at the end of the lottery, even, really. Like, after after yeah. six, I think things got weird. Right, but, yeah, then, no, by all accounts, and uh, and we'll get into this later, too, but if Jay Crowder isn't here, I mean, this guy would be an ideal replacement, you know. Obviously, it'd take him a year or two to uh, settle in there, I would imagine, but you've got to think that at least, at the very least, his physical play and de- defense would will, you know, show up pretty soon. I have a feeling that Jalen Brown is going to be close to the level Jay was last year. Whether or not Jay mm-hmm. himself takes a step forward, which is definitely possible, mm-hmm. is a different question altogether. But even even not to go too far into the weeds, but even if that does end up being the case, I, I could definitely see Semi stepping into Jalen's role and Jalen stepping into Jay's role. Right. So what ends up happening positionally? Though I do kind of think that they want Jay, excuse me, Jalen Martha too in the future. Right. No, and I, it would not shock me if we were if we went into the season with this roster here and didn't add anybody else. It wouldn't shock me if Jalen gives Crowder a run for the starting spot at small forward, going just you know right at the right at the jump of the season. But um, obviously that's a little ways away. I'm pretty happy with that. I, I don't really think. Yeah. I mean, you know, like a rebounding big might have been nice for for one of these guys, maybe one of the later picks. But I don't really have any criticisms or whatever of, of Semi at number 37 at mm-hmm. all. I think it's a great get. Yeah, definitely. And I'm not too familiar with the kid they got at 53, um, Kadeem Allen, Arizona. What do, you, what do you got on him, Justin? Well, I am not super familiar with him either. Most of my familiarity with him has come from scouting Larry Markkanen. Markkanen. Markkanen, yeah. Oh, well, the good thing about international players coming to the league as much as they are is it's really making us step up our game and learning yeah. names. Yeah, so Laurie Markkinen, 
scouting him, uh, I saw a bit of Kadeem Allen and also Kobe Simmons, more so from the attention that Lowry was getting towards the end of the season. And I will be completely honest, while I do like what I've seen from Kadeem Allen with Arizona, I am surprised he made the second round. He's a little older. He is 24 pushing, and a half almost. Yeah. Which, is, and you know, for his production, I mean, it was with Arizona and for a team that had three potential NBA prospects on its roster, two of which, as far as I'm aware, got drafted, maybe three. I have to check. Mm-hmm. It's not that he didn't, he didn't, you know, like if you look at his, his stats real quickly, 9.8 points, 4.0 rebounds, three assists, nothing really jumps out at you. He's, he's, you know, he's the right height for a point guard in the NBA at 6'3". He's got a decent wingspan at 6'9". You know, he's he's got that kind of like stocky, tight athletic build that seems to be the thing that really gets Danny's engine revving for a point guard draftee. I can see it apart from the age. Uh, the thing that made me wonder that if, if he would be just the age, he's so old for that age. And I'm not sure why he's so old if he joined late, if he was a transfer or redshirt mm-hmm. or what. But I mean, realistically, both of the two guys taken in the latter half of the second round are probably not going to make the team. They might get packaged to move for another resource at some point for mm-hmm. a resource or a team. Or a pick down the line, perhaps, right? Yeah. I mean, they could end up being candidates. They might have been taken because they're candidates for either the two new uh, two-way contracts that this new CBA offers us. Right, right. Or they could just be drafted stash candidates also. It's hard to say. Mm-hmm. So we shouldn't for any anybody who's being taken, you know, after 45 or so in the second round, they're really just a a tool, you know. They're not expected to play. So at least not 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 with this roster, right? No, and there, there's a there's a shadow's chance in hell that we could see Kadeem Allen <laughs> playing for Boston this season with a two way contract. But I wouldn't worry about him or the number fifty six selection Jabari Bird, a former teammate of Jalen Brown's over at Cal, too much. Right. Bird, I'm also surprised. I saw a little bit of him when I was watching Jalen's tape last year. Tape, as if people still have it on tape. (laughs) Videos. I'm so old. Anyway, Jabari Bird is an interesting prospect. He will never be more than deep rotation, in my opinion. But he could, you know, he could be a lesser sort of two-way player for deep rotation. He can defend okay. He's got decent height for a wing player at 6'6". His wingspan isn't, you know, anything to fawn over for his height at 6'8". So at least it's not negative, but it's nothing special. He can score okay. You know, he can, he can shoot he can, from the outside, thirty yeah. third shade under thirty eight percent. So, yeah. um, but for his size, though, only four four point seven boards. I mean, yeah. Well, he's more of a three than a four. Okay, and, all right, yeah. You know, he he was playing with with uh, Ivan Rab and Jalen, so he was really functioning. He was he was playing as a front court player sometimes mm-hmm. during the season because they were so depleted at one point. Right. But for, the, but for the most part, he was not playing the four very often. So those are the guys that we ended up taking, and they are those those latter two guys. Don't worry too much about them. If one of them ends up playing with us, which I think is really unlikely, I think Nader, for example, is a better prospect than either of them. Right. Maybe both of them. If you offered me the choice of him for both of them, I would take Nader easily. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. 
And, you know, with things being in flux the way they are right now, it's really hard to say what's going to end up happening with any of these later guys. But in terms of Semi, I, I do think he's going to be sticking with the club. I do think that he's in the plans. He's also an attractive trade piece, but I think they're going to try to hang on to him, him if, if they can. Yeah, 3 and D guys are, are key nowadays. So um, I, I absolutely think that he's probably – Probably in the plans, anyways. Um, so as, as far as the guys that we did pick, we can talk about some of the things that didn't happen. Um, one of them happens to be uh, Nick's big man, Kristaps uh, Porzingis, did not move anywhere, which is really not too much of a shock to me. But, um, or anyone, really, except for I mean, It, it kind of seemed like Jackson had a what was a godfather offer. That, that's what it was going to take. I mean, what was the reported deal from us? He wanted Jalen. Number three and the Brooklyn pick next year, plus yep, plus like did. Crowder and Bradley or something ridiculous like that. Um, or, or Bradley, I think. Yeah, was, whatever, whatever, whatever it was, it was it was nonsense. Um, so, I mean, is this just the case of Jackson just trying to get in in Porzingis's head, or I mean, I I don't. Let's call um, him Phil, just so people because. Okay, sure. Yeah. Josh yeah. is out there also. Yeah. All right. So, but. Um, so, you know what I mean? Is that what he's trying to do here? Because if it is, I mean, I think it's kind of silly, but what do you think? I think Phil was actually doing his due diligence. He had already alienated Porzingis, so he didn't have too much to lose, really. Yeah, I guess. You know, I mean, if he can get him to come back into the fold after, after what had already happened at this point, he's just saying, Hey, you know, I just got to do my job and that's what my job is. Right. I think honestly, Porzingis will understand that much more than anything else that's been coming out of. Phil's mouth for the last several months. Right. Yeah, no, true, very true. This is probably, in retrospect, with a little bit of time behind it, probably the one of the better moves that Phil Jackson has made as GM, which is testing the waters for a Godfather offer and not settling for anything that is even vaguely less than that. That said, it's disappointing. I had my heart set on getting a guy like that shaking loose. We'll be talking more about how cap shrinkage combined with the already bad contract situation and steep hill of talent with the Warriors being what they are later on in future podcasts. But I was hoping that this might have been a kick the can down the road kind of a move with the idea that with only two years left on Zingas's contract and only one of them being a guaranteed year all the way. I can't remember if it was a team option or a player option. It might have been a player option. But in any case... It might have been, in my mind, a, a ploy, you know, potentially for, for Jackson's part, for Phil Jackson's part, here I am doing it. Yeah. <laughs> kind of hard not to. The, the the idea might have been to see if you can get enough of a deal to rebuild further down the road when there isn't such a steep hill to climb in the West. Right, right, right. But that said, another deal that did go down but did not involve Boston has a lot of people scratching their heads namely Jimmy Butler to Minnesota. Yeah, I uh now we disagreed on this. Now you thought that Chicago Not necessarily. Well, I, I well, uh, let me just say that the contingent yeah. most people thought that Chicago got hosed in this deal for Jimmy. And I Butler. I agree from a general manager's perspective though I understand what it is they're trying to do. Yeah, no no no. I I I I disagree based on the just so the talent that they got back for Butler Chris Dunn, number seven, Zach Levine. I mean, that's three, three, ideally, what it, they took marketing, right? With number seven? Yes, they did. So, and I'm not even that high on marketing. You were a lot higher on him than I was, but I guess maybe because I'm a PC guy, I'm not giving up on Chris Dunn being, turning into a, a, a pretty good player. 
Um, hey, he's from Connecticut. I gotta, I gotta. Yeah, so too. right, you wanted him in UConn. So I, I don't know. I think it's a pretty good haul. Uh, they, they weren't going anywhere with Butler. I, I think it's a great idea to roll the dice like this. I don't know what more than this they could have gotten. Well, they might have been able to get more out of Phoenix or another team like that had they waited. They weren't going to get more last night. Well, Phoenix, Phoenix wasn't going to give him number four. Is that right? That is, I mean, it would have happened if, if. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, I mean, if would they have taken just number four? No, they would have needed other things too. I imagine. Frankly speaking, I'm not so sure you'd be able to get too much more than that. Maybe T.J. Warren and some bad salary. Or... Yeah, yeah. So, so if that's the case, and it would have been just number four, I think this is a better deal, personally. So, from Gar's perspective, the general manager of well, general manager owner. I don't. I can't keep track. The guy in charge. Mm-hmm. This is probably not the worst deal. It's it's a, not a bad deal based on the way that they're looking at it. And the way that they're looking at this is they got three lottery picks over the last three years. Mm-hmm. Now, what's wrong with that from a general manager's perspective or what they should have been using as, as general, general, general manager's logic is the burden hand perspective, what you know. When you make a big trade, if you are not in a situation like what we're about to talk about with Paul George, for example, and you have a fair amount of leverage or at least the ability to say no to a trade and kick the trade down the road at least a year without losing much value in terms of what you can get back, which is the case, they really could have kept Dwayne Wade, kept Jimmy Butler, drafted somebody 16th, made some other moves maybe unloaded some salary, whatever, kicked the can down the road one more season, kept some butts in seats, not really contended, but, you know, mm-hmm. make some money, you know, not have to worry about the tax and just, you know, bide your time till the situation looks a little bit better. The point guard situation being what it is right now, particularly with Philly making making that pick for Fultz first, mm-hmm. has further depressed the market considerably. So they, they could be in a good position to not necessarily have to, say, settle for Rondo. Not that Rondo's a bad point guard, but they could probably right. do better. They could probably get like a Kyle Lowry or something mm-hmm. like that if they don't bring him back. Maybe well, even less than the max. They were really high on Dunn last year. so you know, That makes sense. When yeah, last right. year, they should have been. Right. But this year, you know, he did very, very poorly among lottery draftees, one of the worst lottery draftees yeah. on a team that really didn't have a lot of other options to to compete with him. And frankly speaking, I am a little bit worried about Chris Dunn. I do think, along with you, that he can turn it around. But I'm worried because of his age and because of his poor performance, his poor adaptation to mm-hmm. the NBA, that he might not be better than a lower level starter or even worse. So, right. Yeah. Then, I mean, it, it's gonna it'll it's gonna be interesting because as like you said, if Rondo's not back there next year, I mean, essentially, he, he who's who's gonna be the starting point guard, right? I mean, at this point, uh, unless they bring in somebody else, it might be Chris Dunn. Yeah, it could be really interesting too. Zach Levine, which is another reason why I'm not too high on him as included in this pick. He's only got one year left on his deal. He's coming off ACL. You have no idea. Was it ACL? Well, he's coming off a major knee surgery anyway. Yeah, yeah. And you're not you're not going to be sure how he's going to heal from that, even if you get all the way through the entire season. Mm-hmm. So in that situation, it's not at all clear what kind of asset you're actually getting for Zach. You might end up with like, you know, a deep rotation guy from a top 10 pick. And that might be the case with Dunn as well. I think Lowry's a perfect match for what they need. I think he's going to be really helpful in Hoiberg's 
preferred style of play. This that that is the one thing I am really supportive over. Mm-hmm. You know, and my personal interpretation of what I think Lowry can do in the right system, I'm very happy with with what he might be able to do, depending on the other moves they make, you know, in free agency in the off season. Mm-hmm. But there's always a chance that that those defensive things that people were down on him for that I didn't think were such a big deal could be really exposed, particularly if he's not surrounded with a good, solid pick and roll point guard, right. which he doesn't have. Mm-hmm. You know, like Rondo, Rondo might be able to be that guy, or we might get mo- most of what we saw from Rondo regular season. Like if we get if we get playoff Rondo for most of next season with Lowry, they are going to be a borderline playoff team to a playoff team if they don't end up buying out Dwayne Wade. Yeah, that, it's, yeah. If they don't get that, or they don't keep Rondo which they might not if they are trying to genuinely rebuild, which based on what we've heard from management. I, mean, that, I think that's probably the best course of action, but it is, but that's going to make Lowry look terrible for the first couple of years of his career, mm-hmm. which I wouldn't be so bad upset about if they, you know, made a trade with us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that said, well, from, from a GM perspective, right. that's what I was saying. I was down on him for because we don't right. know how he's going to turn out. So you might get three duds. Yeah, no, it, it's 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 totally plausible for sure. It, it's definitely a risk, but I, I think it's a risk worth taking given that uh, and not knowing what other deals they had on the table. Um, you know, I I think if they get one least, starter and one rotation player out of the three of them, mm-hmm. I think they did an okay deal. I think yeah, in the long it, run, it'll work out okay. Play. Yeah, and and that's going to depend a lot on how marketing develops too, of course. Yep. Um, but aside from the Bulls. Now, we also had news coming out yesterday that the Celtics were in deep discussions with the Pacers for one Paul George. Um, those talks stalled somewhere in the middle of the first round yesterday, if I remember correctly. So the news today coming out of Boston, out of Adam Kaufman. Hold on to your pants, ladies and gentlemen. That the, the Celtics are may be able to swing or, and may even have a contingent deal in place with the Pacers over us acquiring Paul George, contingent the fact that we sign Gordon Hayward in free agency and get George with a three-year extension in place, which is just, I mean, which is crazy. I mean, what what a turn of events. I can't say I have ever felt more excited to hear news like this. I have long been a proponent of a new clause buried deep in the CBA that allows you to do a sign-and-trade as part of terms for a deal. And it was made for a situation like this. Everyone thought that this was going to be an incredibly improbable situation for very good reasons because it didn't make any sense for most of the season, particularly when he was still eligible for the designated veteran player exception. Mm -hmm. Now he isn't. He definitely wants out. And the fact that he is, that this is even a thing tells me there is a chance that George does want to play for the Celtics, but he only wants to come here if it really looks like we have the right situation in place for him to win titles. Now, if we can get George and Gordon Hayward here, I would say we have a very good chance, even if Cleveland managed to bring most of their roster back, which is very far from certain at this point, that we would be able to beat them and with the new additions in the draft and Probably, you know, if we don't have to give up too, too much in terms of roster positions instead of mostly picks, mm-hmm. I think that we would be both poised for the future and the present in terms of contention. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, uh, you know, what's interesting, so 
a lot of people went. I wrote an article about this the other day about how we should we should go after Paul George, whether or not we have a guarantee in place. Uh, you know, uh, if it was a one year rental, because I thought that if we got Gordon Hayward and we had a team that was a sixty win team, he's not going to take a walk and go to L.A. Regardless of whatever he wants to play in L.A. right now to go to go play with a team full of kids and start over again. This guy's played on bad teams in Indiana. He's not going to do that again. But no, they'd be a playoff team in like a year or two after perhaps, next season. And, well, and maybe, and maybe, maybe if they got LeBron James, that would certainly change things too. But, as, but anyways, regardless, I was willing to roll the dice on that, knowing that we could have got George for pennies on the dollar. Now, if this is true, obviously I think the price may go up slightly for George, but it's obviously, you know. It, oh, no, but, it's going to go up a lot. It's gonna obviously, they're going to pay bit. more than they would have, right. But even still. extension on top of. On top right. Of but at the same time, it's they're still not going to get full value for him in Indiana because there's oh, not going to no, be anyone else not. that can. There's not going to be anyone else that is in this can be in the situation that we're in that can sign him with an extension in place unless L.A. wanted to give up some of their top stuff and they're not going to do that. You know, so mm-hmm. uh, interesting. I was reading. I was digging after I saw this this morning. Mm-hmm. Back in March, ESPN did an article uh, on Larry Bird, the Pacers organization, Paul George. What do they do now? Because they're, they're they were in limbo there, and they had talked about the the one guy George. Uh, George would like to stay there, but Bird talked about all the problems they were going to have being able to add another star, and he was going to do everything he could, but he knew knew he needed to bring somebody else to play with him. Right? It said in the article that from Paul George, from people close to Paul George, that the person that he really wanted to play with was Gordon Hayward because they're both from the same hometown. Right. And so if that's the case, you notice you haven't heard anything from George's camp about not wanting to play in Boston because this is probably the only Gordon's camp about this. I haven't, I haven't, but I'm going to start digging. But if that's, if that's true, then Boston provides the only situation that where next year he could be playing with Gordon Hayward. So his ex college coach, he could be Gordon Hayward could be playing with George. Right. A team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals at a moment when the path to the finals in the East with LeBron is severely threatened by Cleveland's own ownership. Yeah. At the same time that the Warriors might end up finding themselves weakened depending on what goes on in the next week based on whether or not they can afford to keep Andre Iguodala with a pissed off league with 29 other teams interested in Throwing a poison pill contract just, off of Just right, way. yeah. If, and if you're one of those teams that has some money to throw around, middling teams, why, why wouldn't you? Anyway, yeah, just, Andre Iguodala. Iguodala's a good player. He's a very good complimentary player, you know? Yep. But it, it makes – we already were high. We, we thought we had a good shot at Hayward because of the Brad Stevens connection and the team that we have now and the role that he'd be able to play. But now with with this development, if that's really true, I mean, you think these guys aren't talking to each other about this? That, that, I mean, that's – this that would be this would be pretty pretty epic. I mean, this would this would be this would be the two shoes dropping just like back in 07 with uh, yep. Garnett and Ray Allen. I mean, that would be. And the the thing is, they instead of building a complete team around those guys, we'd already have a team in place, and those guys are like jumping in, and we'd be doing minimal changes from there. You know, it's uh, very exciting. I'm gonna be a wet blanket and say. Roll it back, calm it down. Sure, sure, yeah. You know, gotta right. Expectations. Switch to but. the decaf coffee for a week. Yeah, but <laughs> it's it's certainly. I mean, the fact that that's even possible and there's hints of it out there is 
I, it makes just, last night make a lot more sense. Absolutely. I mean, I, I wasn't full. I, I thought that the Celtics should have been in on George. I mean, on Butler. But mm-hmm. when I saw when, when I saw the package that they ended up getting for him, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, what, what would we have had to include to top that package? And I, I, I just I didn't think it was worth it. Nope, I agree. So, but Paul George is a totally different. I mean, this guy is a potential MVP type player. Where I don't quite put Butler in that category. 100% agree. Uh, so you you were talking this morning on a, on another note um, about IT's hip injury. Uh, what, what's the story going on there? That, that might have gotten lost by a lot of people. Yeah, it kind of drowned out in the news here, but it's just as important. Basically, the, the nutshell version is IT has been very slow to seek medical attention. Well, not medical attention, but cert- like a surgical solution to the injury. And it's a very good idea because surgeries on hips, they, they have a higher rate than usual. The kind of surgery he would be getting has a higher rate than a lot of other types of injuries to impact athleticism and mobility, which are two things that are really important to Isaiah Thomas's game. I don't think if he did have, you know, I'm not going to be a doctor because I am not a doctor, at least not the kind yet that would be helpful. The injury probably, if it didn't heal fully, would leave him as a competent player, but more like a rotation guy because he wouldn't be able to get past people. He'd have to rely very heavily on his shooting, which is not bad, but isn't, you know, knocked down dead either. So it would really impact his game if he needs to get surgery and it doesn't heal close to 100%. He's probably not going to have another season like he did last season. You know, even if he comes back as best as he, like, as as good as he was the minute he got hurt. So putting that in context, it's probably safe to say that what, what is going on with him not needing surgery is making the Celtics' long-term future a lot more secure. It's what people want to hear if they're going mm-hmm. to be signing with the sure. Celtics. And free yeah, absolutely. If you hear that he's going to be needing to go under the knife, that's going to give you a little bit of hesitance because that's going to take away one of the major forces compelling you to think that you have a chance at contention. Third leading scorer in the NBA. Yep. So uh, all the best to Isaiah. We've already probably talked longer than we wanted to, but we are going to dive into all this stuff more this weekend. We're going to familiarize ourselves with all these new players. And uh, anything else, Justin, you want to touch on? Nope. Just keep an eye on CelticsLife.com for all kinds of draft and trade-related news, not just related to the Celtics specifically, but things that might impact the Celtics, like some of these moves that have taken place and how they might impact free agency. We'll have a ton of stuff this week, so stay stay. Alert. And you will, won't have to hear us talk about a trade for Jimmy Butler anytime in the next long few years anyways well so, at least uh, till, the, till the trade deadline when he's eligible again anyway yeah right, exactly <laughs> but guys so check out the links at the top of celticslife.com we have a huge variety of shirts and hoodies in the store and you can even get tickets to the next game which isn't for a while but they're there and uh you can uh, you can find the pod on blog talk radio itunes and stitcher and most podcatcher apps make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and if you like what you hear be sure to rate us five stars. Five, uh, no less. Five, yes. Yeah. So even if you don't like us, give us a five anyways. If you don't like something or have a suggestion, make sure you let us know in the comments of any Celtics Life article or hit us up on Twitter at the hashtag CLPod. We just want to give you guys the coverage you want, the way you like it. So from me, Mark Allison, and my man Justin Quinn, we will see you guys or we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Pull up, shoot, shoot, Jason Tatum. Woo! My money talk, talk. Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum. I'm ballin' on you boys. I think I'm Jason Tatum. Switch. Watch me come through in that clutch. Clutch. Jason Tatum. Woo.
my swagger. 